The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, it is all about influencer marketing. This is great if you are on the brand side or the influencer side. It's with Julianne Fraser. She is the founder of Dialogue. It's an influencer marketing agency. So Julianne and I actually started working together years ago when she was working in-house with the brand, and that's how we started our relationship. She went on to found her own agency, works with amazing brands, and I've continued to work with her all of this time. So in this episode, I feel like influencer marketing is this big term we all talk about but like what really is it and how can you use it as a brand? So she is sharing her six steps of influencer marketing strategies for new clients, but it doesn't matter if you are on the brand side or on the influencer side, this is a great episode for you. So I think if you're on the brand side and you're trying to figure out influencer marketing, this is a great episode because I think you'll learn a lot. And if you're on the influencer side, it's really great and insightful to see what an agency is looking for and what a brand wants and how you can better pitch yourself to brands and get on their radar. If you guys are loving the podcast, be sure to to leave me a five-star rating and review and subscribe because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. And now I'm going to share a little bit more about my thoughts on influencer marketing. So first, let's just talk about influencer marketing. Like, what is it? Is it worth it? Is it effective? And does it actually make a difference? Well, being an influencer myself, I would say, yes, it absolutely does. I've been working with brands. I think I started working with brands, I think in like 2013. Back then, it was much different than it is today. Back then, I think everyone was just trying to figure it out. They were just gifting. The rates were really low. There wasn't really a blueprint to follow. But now influencer marketing is a huge part of brands, their budget, their strategy, and then really how influencers work and make their full-time income from doing sponsored content. There's a couple different ways that I like to think about influencer marketing. And Julianne explains it really well in the episode. And she said influencer marketing really fits somewhere between brand marketing and paid like performance marketing. So when you think of performance marketing, that's like spending X amount of money on a Facebook ad or digital marketing or Google ad SEO search terms. And you know, you're going to get a certain type of like ROI, like a certain type of return on your investment if you're spending X amount of dollars. But you're really reaching out for people. You're putting in a campaign creative that you have created yourself. Um, It's usually like an ad and it has some text and whatever. You guys know you've seen all these ads before. And then when you think of brand marketing, this is all the stuff that is just generic marketing that the brand does. So maybe it's a billboard you drive by, the type of photography that they have, the way the brand looks and feels kind of like in that genre. And then influencer marketing really sits in the middle. So how do you get across the brand messaging that you have while still pushing sales like performance marketing? Well, that's kind of where influencer marketing sits in between the two. So influencer marketing is through social usually, and you can work with people on sponsored content through TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, blog, affiliate links, promotion codes. Like there's so many ways to work in this world. The easiest way I think to get in as a brand, if you don't have budget yet, is to start with gifting. And we talk about this in the episode that I did with Risa from Revolve. If you guys want to go back and listen to that episode, that's a really great place to start. And thinking about it from the brand or retailer side, and obviously they have done such an amazing job with influencer marketing. 
And the reason why I think influencer marketing is so effective is because it's really like that friend telling you why they like something. It's like word of mouth and personal recommendations, but they might be your online friends or people that you trust or people where you really trust their point of view. You trust their opinion. You trust where they shop. They like to shop similar places to you. They have similar style and sense that you do. And so I personally like find most of the things that I shop from my other influencer friends I follow. I get so influenced by the things that they share. So I might see it in a billboard and I might see it on TV or in a magazine or at the mall. And that's helping the brand keep top of mind for me. But I might actually purchase because I saw a friend post it. And that's why I think influencer marketing is not going anywhere. Sure, it might change on what platform it's in or how we share it, whether it was, you know, it used to be Instagram feed posts and then it was stories. And now there's reels and IGTVs and TikTok. And there's so many different types of ways to market to somebody. And I think the type of way you want to market really is specific to your brand. So I want to tell you a little bit about how it works. So as a working influencer, there's a couple different ways that I work with brands. So I have a manager and I've had management since 2014. And usually a brand will want to work with me. They'll find my email address or my manager. They will come to us and say, we have an offer. It is for this deliverable. This is the rate. This is the date range it wants to go up. These are any of the language that they have in there, like exclusivity, just like certain added things that maybe you wouldn't look out for. Um, And this is why having a manager for me is really important because they know the things to look out for that maybe I would have missed, especially when it comes to contracts. And then for each of those things, you would negotiate the rate depending on all of those kind of extra things that are in there. So I'll get an offer. It might be for an Instagram feed or it might be for stories with X amount of frames. Um, It needs to be posted on the state. There's X amount of sticker taps or swipe up links or it lives on TikTok, whatever the deliverables are. And so I'll get the offer. My manager and I will go back and forth. If I haven't already tried the product out, I'll get the product to try and test before I accept a campaign. If I've already tried the product, they might reach out and say, oh, Mariana, we see that you post this probiotic all the time. Like we'd love to now officially work together because we see you organically share the brand all the time. So that's kind of one way of like how I'll work with brands, how they um, will come to me directly for a job and my manager will pitch or my manager will negotiate. The other way is to pitch yourself. So I prefer like not a cold pitch. I like a warm pitch. So a warm pitch, meaning there's some sort of connection there. There's something that I've done. We either know each other or somebody introduced us. And this is important because I think on the brand side, you get so many incoming inbound inquiries of people wanting to work together. And the way that I kind of like to word it is I see a lot of incoming coming in as the word collaboration. But when I think of collaboration, I think of that as a different type of content, like uh, we are collabing together on something. But when I think of sponsored content and working together, that's a paid campaign. And then there's also gifting. So when we are pitching me to brands, like let's say I really love this cup and I use it every single day. And I know that I have an affiliate link for it. I have thousands of sticker taps for it. These many people bought it. And so when I'm pitching the brand, we can say, Mariana loves this so much. This is an example of a post that she has. Here is a link to that post that's live. Here is a screenshot of all of the sticker taps and link clicks and affiliate links or whatever. The data will vary how much or how little I've shared the brand when we're pitching. But I like some sort of example because what you don't want to do is say, hey, I love your brand so much. And then the brand come back to you and say, oh, can you show me an example? And then you're like, oh, I've actually never posted it before. 
or I I actually don't own anything from your brand. So if you're going to say, I love it so much, show an example of how you love it. So that would be an example of like a warm pitch. So there's either incoming jobs that I get, or there are us pitching us to brands that I like. And that's kind of how I like to work with brands. And there's either one-off campaigns where there's like a campaign that's happening. And it's like for X amount of stories just for this launch. And that's it. Or the way I like to work with brands is long-term ongoing campaigns. I usually work with them, some brands for like three months, six months, nine months, a year. Um, Some brands I worked with for years and years and years over again, because it's so organic to me and my content. I think that's definitely something that I didn't do at the beginning, but as I've gotten you know, longer in my career. That's something that I've been able to do more of, but I still do one-off campaigns too. So it really just depends. So that's kind of how it works for me on the influencer side. Take a quick break to tell you about one of the sponsors, which you guys know I love. It is Skillshare. It's that time of year where we're really starting to think of our goals, the things that we're working on, our New Year's resolutions, our plans for next year, and what better way to start working on them than to start now with Skillshare. It is amazing because every human was born to create. Whether you picked up a paintbrush yesterday or in grade school, you can really explore your creativity and be inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. They have so much to explore with real projects to create, and they really support fellow creatives. And Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. So if you're listening to this episode, you probably are an influencer, aspiring influencer, or you're a brand trying to figure out social for yourself. So there's a couple classes I think you would like. One is YouTube success, script, shoot, and edit with Marcus Braun-Lee. Another one is video for Instagram, tell an engaging story in less than a minute with Halise Navarez. And another one is from Jessica Kobiesi. It's portrait photography, shoot and edit Instagram worthy shots. So you guys definitely want to step up your Instagram and influencer game. There's so many to try here. In addition to that, there's also ones for freelance and entrepreneurship, productivity, film and video, and so much more. So experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes that are really designed for everyday life. It's also so incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month, but you can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash life and get a one-month free trial premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at Skillshare.com slash life. Now, how does it work on the brand side? The brand side is really different and it really depends on the size of the brand, how many launches they have, what kind of budget they have. And if you are an influencer and you're pitching yourself to brands, know that a brand just doesn't have endless amounts of budget. Like there's not just all this money sitting around where they can spend it all in influencer marketing. So there's usually an X amount of money that they have in their budget per month or per quarter or year that they are allowed to spend on marketing. And the smaller the brand, the more, I guess not nimble, but like the more flexible they need to be with the money that they have because they don't have a really big budget like a huge brand might have that can spend millions of dollars on influencer marketing. But just because they are not spending money today doesn't mean they won't be spending money three, six, nine months, a year from now. And so if you really love a new and indie brand and they just actually don't have the budget to spend with you, it doesn't mean you should just write them off because a year from now, they could be a really big brand and they could spend a lot of money on influencer marketing and they'll remember all the organic love that you shared with them or shared for them. I never think about me sharing products or things on my stories or feed and tagging and linking as free work because I. I'm an influencer. I'm a content creator. And my job is to share things that I love with my audience that my audience want to try or see or be motivated by or experience. And I never think of that as giving away anything for free. 
I am so happy to do that because most of the stuff that I post, like 90 something percent is not sponsored. It's just organic because I want to share it. So if you really want to work with a brand someday and you love it and you buy it anyway, there's no problem in sharing that product, adding a link. And just like I was saying about the warm pitch, having that data now to show them. So let's say you are pitching yourself to a brand. They're an indie brand. They don't have a lot of budget yet. You can say, hey, I shared this. It had X amount of clicks. They might come back to you and say, thank you so much for sending this. Like we don't have a budget at this time, but I will definitely keep you on my radar. And I think it's really good to keep in contact with them and really show them that organic love. And that also goes for big brands too, because just because a brand is really large, it doesn't mean they have a ton of money to spend on influencer marketing. They might have a lot of money to spend overall on marketing, but not specifically on influencer campaigns. So it's a really tricky place to be in on a on the brand side. And I feel like I've learned so much from having our own brand of how to be a better influencer, how to think about campaigns and thinking about like how really brands spend their money in this department. Okay. On the brand side, let's say we have a product launch coming up. So we know for this launch, we have X amount of money to spend on influencer marketing. Well, being a small brand on our side, it's like, what can we do that's the most effective with the amount of money that we have? And because we have all of this data, so there's programs that we use and we can see who posts us, how many times did they post on their feed or their stories, what their engagement rate is. And it gives it like a value based on all of these things. And it also shows like frequency. You can sort by like any kind of information where the person lives. And so let's say we're really wanting to push something in the U.S., and somebody who posts us a lot and show them extra love. And so on our end, even if we don't have a relationship with you and you just buy the product organically and share it, we have all of that data. So now that we have all this information, you basically cast or pick the people that you want for this campaign. You'll come up with like a list and everybody serves a different purpose. So if you are an influencer and you're listening to this, think about what is your strong suit. So if you are a content creator, then you are creating amazing content that the brand wants to repost that they can leverage for digital marketing or whitelist or boost your content. And that's really like your thing that you're good at is creating content. It doesn't matter how many followers you have because someone is coming to you for the type of content you can create. So if it's like the most beautiful, engaging content and you have a hundred followers, that's totally fine. Then there's somebody else. And like, that would be maybe the like true influencer who's pushing a lot of sales. And this person can push and sell product. They are really good at it. And that's really a strong point for them. And that, again, doesn't matter how many followers you have. It's just, are a lot of people buying the stuff that you're selling? Like, are they, or is there something that the brand is getting out from you? Another type of influencer is like, this influential influencer who can influence other people. I just said influencer so many times. Um, But this is somebody who maybe they don't create the best content or they don't have a lot of sales that they push through, but they are a tastemaker. A lot of important people follow them. A lot of influencers follow them. They have a really big reach. So with this person, it's kind of like thinking about like PR. And so this person is really good for positioning and getting the most eyeballs to see it. And then that's another type of influencer too is positioning. So let's say Summer Fridays is a sustainable brand. We're also vegan and cruelty-free. So is there somebody who talks about sustainability a lot, who we can align with, who can speak to this kind of talking point for our brand? And I think for a successful influencer marketing campaign, you need all of these people. So you need all different types of influencers to make like the perfect campaign, because if you go all in on one, then you might be missing these other things. So you really do need the macro person who can reach a lot of other influencers so that 
they see a lot of things. You also need the person who's pushing a lot of sales. You also need the great person who creates amazing content. And then you need other people who are great for positioning. And I know that's a lot of different people. And maybe where you live as an influencer can cross a lot of these categories. And when you pitch yourself, you should include that. And if you're on the brand side and you're trying to figure this out, before you work with someone, ask yourself, what is the goal of the campaign or why am I working with this person? And understand that mindset before you go into it. Because if you're going into a mindset where you want to push a lot of sales, but you're working with a content creator, you might not get the return that you are looking for. But I think Also, not only on the brand side, knowing that before you pick an influencer to work with and spend your budget on, but also letting that influencer know the goal of the campaign before you start working together, because they might create content differently based on what your needs are. So if I know a brand really, really just wants the content creation, then it's more about these beautiful images that I know they want to repost on their feed. But if they are looking for a different type of content, let's say it's positioning or let's say it's sales, that content might look different than the content creation type of content. And I hope that this makes sense. So now it's all about the influencer marketing campaign. So now that you know what it is and what types of influencers you need, how do you even figure out who to work with? So this is where an agency can be really helpful if you feel lost. So in our instance of Summer Fridays, we do everything in-house because Lauren and I being influencers for so long, we just understand the space really well. We also have the most amazing marketing and influencer marketing team who knows all of the people that we know and so many more. And they are just so into the space and they can name every single girl and they know what she's up to and they see what she's posting and following. And they're so engaged and engulfed in the world that for us, it works best to do it in-house. But for some brands, if you don't know a lot about influencer marketing, you don't know where to go, you don't know how to run a campaign, agencies, I think, are really, really helpful, even if you just do a few initial campaigns with them and then you can learn from it and go from there and then do it in-house after that. Or if you only want to do, you know, a couple influencer marketing campaigns a year, then maybe it's not a role that you need in-house all the time. This is where an agency can really help you. Um, There's agencies that can help you with just gifting and seeding, which is sending product out to people to try. If you don't have this network of people to send to and like cold pitching your brand to, to influencers isn't working. And then they can also help with you on product launches or brand launches. There's so many different ways that an influencer marketing agency can work with you. And if you are a brand thinking about how do I start working with influencers, gifting is really great, but just know for gifting not to expect anything in exchange unless somebody agrees to it. But influencers are paid for their work and you can't expect to give them something for free unless they agree to it without being paid. So if a brand wants to send me something and they're like, oh, you have to post this on your Instagram feed. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I'd love to try it if you want to send it to me. But like, there's no promise of something. Or if something is like a really high value, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to probably share this anyway. That's fine. It really is a case by case basis and what you are comfortable with. As a brand, I wouldn't pitch yourself to influencers and say, I want to send you this thing. You have to post it. I would say and get into the mindset of thinking of this type of inventory or this percentage of your inventory being for gifting and marketing and maybe a couple of people share it, um, but not a guarantee. So if you want a guaranteed you know, exchange of content, then that's when you would pay an influencer. But I would just pitch yourself to to influencers and say, hey, I'm going to send this like no strings attached because then more than likely they might want to accept the product. And then if you are an influencer, aspiring influencer early in this, you know, phase of your career, accepting free gifting is amazing because what you can do is you have more stuff to share for your followers that you don't have to pay for. 
You can create um, content around this. Then you can use that content to pitch yourself to the brand and then get on their radar. So hopefully if there are paid campaign opportunities in the future, you have an example of your work, how it looked on your feed, what your photography style is like, what your engagement was like, how many link sticker taps you had. So there are so many positives from gifting. Like I share so much stuff that I get gifted. There's a lot of stuff that I don't share. Also, just I have so many things that get sent to me, so I can't possibly share all of it. So I share what I can. But by getting things to me and without a brand having an expectation, it really does at least get it into my hands. And then hopefully I share it. So I hope that that was really helpful in learning a little bit more about influencer marketing from my perspective as an influencer and as a brand founder. Now let's hear from Julianne about her steps on influencer marketing strategies uh, when it comes to her onboarding new clients. It's no surprise that I love Array. I love their products. They actually just came out with a new one too that I'm really into. So if you guys don't know, Array was created to help women feel their best so they can be their best through targeted products. These are 100% natural, they're filler-free and organic, and they are actually formulated by a naturopathic doctor. There are the bloat supplements and the calm supplements, and they just came out with the bloat latte, which is so tasty. Um, and all of their products work in under an hour, so you can really feel the results. So they really solve these annoying problems that we always talk about. And the bloat capsules are so versatile because they can really be taken at any time. So it doesn't matter if you've had a plant-based meal or something heavier. It optimizes digestion with the use of five herbs and fruit-based digestive enzymes. And I love it. So right now it's holidays. I really want to enjoy the foods that I want. And it was just Thanksgiving and I had a really delicious meal and I wanted to have the foods that I love. But even when I have things like Brussels sprouts, sometimes I just feel a little bit of discomfort or bloating afterwards. So when I want to eat all those delicious, yummy sides, this really helped me. So literally when I got home, I went back and I made this bloat latte and it's so yummy and it helped so much. That's exactly what these bloat capsules are for. They were designed to give you the food freedom that you want so you can enjoy the foods that you love without any of that discomfort or gas or bloating afterwards. And yes, men can use it too. And I know I'm always sharing about the bloat supplements, but the Calm are also amazing, especially this time of year. So I know you guys always want to try it out. You guys can go to array.com and use the code Mariana at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% the first month on subscription. That's A-R-R-A-E.com. And you guys can use the code Mariana at checkout. Okay. So I have to ask, where are you right now? Because I think you're in Paris. Yeah, no, I am actually in the south of France at the moment, <laughs> living a bit of a nomadic life the past couple of years, but um, have been splitting my time between New York and Paris for the last three years. So have kind of formed home base in both cities. Well, I think the good thing about like what your job is, is you really can do it from anywhere. And we exactly. actually met, oh my gosh, I want to say it was like 2014 or so when you were at Lacoste. And yeah, Miami Open. <laughs> yes. And I was working as an influencer and you were on the brand side. And here we are, which is like seven, almost eight years later. I can't believe it. It's amazing. Oh, it's so exciting to like bring it full circle. But it's so cool to think of all the different different brands that we were able to work on from Clay to Poe Beauty and, and like throughout the years. It's amazing. So, so proud to see all that you've done since then too. You've definitely <laughs> done some incredible things since then. Thank you. And I think with you, I think what makes your career so interesting is then like thinking back, like brands were really just trying to figure out influencer marketing and like what influencers yeah. are and like how to even work with brands. And you've been doing it so long that you really evolved with the industry. So you have your own company now, but what were you doing that led you to starting Dialogue? Yeah. So about 10 years ago, I had graduated FIT and I had fallen into my first role at uh, Morgan's Hotel Group, which is now Ian Schrager Hotels. 
And it was a social media coordinator role right around the time Instagram had launched and really wasn't, didn't hold that much significance. Brands weren't really paying attention to social media at the time. And I had the really great fortune to kind of test and learn and with trial and error, um, different social strategies, uh, digital content and editorial strategies, and then dabble in this world of influence marketing, which way back when, as you can imagine, like you were, you were in it as well. We were in it together. So it's definitely evolved. We've seen from both sides how um, the industry has evolved, but that's where it all began. And then from there, I moved over to Lacoste where we met and um, was managing digital communications in North America and then joined a, a startup accelerator after that, wanting to kind of get involved in all of these great brands that were were launching and accelerating at the time. So, you know, it, I kind of grew up in the world of digital marketing and social media marketing and was able to test and learn, like I said, early on. But about four years ago, I had experienced influence marketing and what I call sort of lovingly the wild, wild west, because there were and still are so many varying approaches, which I know you can speak to on the other side of things. Um, receiving pitches and opportunities, but I saw that there were so many varying approaches to influence marketing and that there was really an opportunity to kind of take a hybrid approach that took the pros and cons of of all angles. And so I kind of was at a crossroads where I had the opportunity to go in-house and kind of build out this strategy and, and system in a larger scale agency or I could take a leap of faith and, and start out on my own, which I decided to do. So that's kind of where it all began. And then now on your own, can you share with us some of the brands that you've worked with? Yeah. So I started Dialogue four years ago. And you know, throughout my, my four years, we've worked with a lot of different luxury and lifestyle brands. So one of my first was Shiseido um, and Clay de Poe Beauty. We worked with them for three years. Um, Sakara Life, Brooklinen, Harry's, uh, Seed Probiotics, Grailed in the fashion space, Baboon to the Moon, ATP Atelier, Our Place, Olipop. So a wide range of health, wellness, fitness, beauty, fashion, and sort of all, overall lifestyle brands. And so many brands that I love. And so your agency, you do so many great things, but a lot of these companies you're speaking about, they have really big teams. Why would a company who already has a team full of people need to hire somebody like you? Or like, what are they trying to figure out that they can't do themselves? A great question. You know, kind of going back to what I mean by the wild, wild west, this last year with COVID, I've seen it really ramp up more than ever before, but there's just so many varying approaches. So there's a lot of PR firms that really understand the relationships and the creativities that go, or the creative angle that goes behind these campaigns. And we, there's a lot of performance marketing agencies involved that really understand the importance of trackability and a strong foundation to campaigns. And there's a ton of platforms that have evolved throughout the years that are really great at automating the campaign process. And so there's pros and cons to all three approaches. But I think where we really come in and where Dialogue really offers value is to lay that strategic foundation and provide sort of a roadmap as how influencers can plug into a brand's greater marketing strategy. So if done well, influencer marketing should support, you know, brand marketing efforts, uh, brand awareness and social growth and, you know, PR initiatives. It should also really support performance marketing goals. And also it should support the creative team with producing amazing content and assets that they can leverage. So across the board, whether we're working with a really early stage startup or 
an established corporation, the value that we can really offer is laying that strategic approach and helping them kind of get it off the ground. I know because I feel like influencer marketing is complicated. It's hard. And I feel like unless you're really in it and you know the people to work with, it's so difficult because I think there are just so many influencers to choose. Really, there's sort of a six kind of core elements that we include in our upfront strategy. And the first is is quite simple. It's defining what influence marketing is. And that sounds really, you know, simplistic, but the fact of the matter is, is that it changes daily, especially now with, you know, how quickly the world of digital is changing and really understanding you know what it means because like i mentioned there's so many varying approaches so defining for a client the best way to approach relationships to to ensure there's authenticity to build long-term relationships with influencers to really understand what it is that they're we're looking to achieve in the long term i think so much of the industry now is Uh, So many brands are looking for a quick win and seeing influencer marketing as sort of an alternative to a performance marketing tactic and looking to really invest and uh, reap the rewards, you know, within a month's time. And I think understanding that influencer marketing sits, you know, squarely in between brand marketing and performance. So it's not something that you can flip a switch, um, have epic returns uh, and then kind of move on from. And, and it has to be something that the brand is investing in long-term. And our clients that you know have reaped the best rewards and see amazing success from their influencer programs are really investing in the relationships and the program of itself. So yes, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense because I think people expect like if you spend X amount on a Facebook or Instagram ad, you instantly see like a certain amount of like clicks or sales, but it doesn't work like that with influencer marketing. Yes, it's some clicks, but it's also brand awareness. And that's why I think each different influencer has a certain type of value. And so like, let's say it's seed probiotics, for example, like it was a brand I worked with. I love them. But if you didn't buy and click from that day, like they have a huge end cap right now in all the air ones in Los Angeles, you'll remember all your favorite influencers posted about them before. So when you go into store and see them, it will be top of mind, just like you saw a billboard or a magazine ad to buy it in store. So it might trickle down into retail sales or a sale at a later date. So it is different. I think that was such a great explanation of like how it is different than performance marketing. Yeah. And I think also it's what I call sort of the halo effect that there has to be a little bit of patience and building momentum in a program, engaging a, you know, a high number of varying different types of creatives and influencers in different categories and types. But really when you know it's working is when you have that halo effect where you see the brand everywhere. And exactly like you said, it's really unfair to expect a customer to swipe up, type in their credit card information and purchase directly on that link or with that exact promo code. It's more of you know one touch point out of many that will convert the customer down the road. So I'm, I'm sure you know from your perspective, it's uh, it must be frustrating to have those expectations put on you from a performance standpoint, but also as um, marketing strategists, we really, it's our job to set those expectations day one so that they know certainly this is something that will drive epic returns. And we've seen it time and time again, but it really has to be done patiently and thoughtfully. Okay. So the holidays are the most wonderful time of the year, 
But if you are running an online store, you know they can also be the craziest time of the year. You've got inventory to manage, there's orders to fulfill, and you've got a growing list of stressed out customers checking in twice a day, wondering if those last minute gifts are gonna arrive in time. Well, with ShipStation, the hassle of holiday shopping orders really melts away. It leaves you with happier customers and more freedom to run your business or enjoy some much needed time off. So wherever you sell or however you ship, ShipStation powers shipping across all sizes. So if you use Amazon as a marketplace or Shopify or Squarespace, they're amazing and they've got so many easy ways to seamlessly sync with your shipping. So if you sell anything online, I don't have to tell you that shipping can be super frustrating. There are so many carriers and there's a ton of factors that go into figuring out the best rate for each order. And with more people shopping online every year, the added holiday stress really doesn't help. Well, ShipStation makes shipping the easy part of running your online store so you can get back to doing what you're passionate about, which is growing your business, and you can easily import orders from every sales channel, whether it's Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or your own website, and automate just about any shipping task all from one easy dashboard. ShipStation works with all major carriers, international and local, including FedEx, USPS, and UPS, and you even get access to discounted rates that are usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies. So not only is shipping easy, you can actually save money. So make this holiday season a little brighter with ShipStation. Use my offer code Mariana to get a 60-day free trial, just enough time to handle the holiday rush. Just go to ShipStation.com, click the microphone at the top, and enter the code Mariana and make ship happen. So what's your next next step? So the, the next step is really looking at the industry trends. Because like I said, it's changing daily. Um, it's, it's insane the amount of um, differences in terms of how we're approaching influencer campaigns today than, than the ways we did 10 years ago. So particularly this month alone, uh, we're seeing TikTok blow up. Uh, it's not new news, but really it's taking force because... I think brands are really realizing it's not just a platform for young Gen Z, but that there's a really great opportunities to tap into millennials and you know their target consumers. And just because of the nature of the algorithm, there's a, a great opportunities for brands and influencers to go viral and they're not capped sort of by the, the algorithm of Instagram. So looking at new platforms like TikTok, um, but also not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon. It's not for every brand. You have to really understand if your consumer is engaged on TikTok and or Clubhouse or whatever the new platform might look like and and just kind of be aware of that. But also, you know, looking at industry trends as to how brands are engaging influencers. Right now, we're seeing a huge, huge wave of influencers coming on board as creative directors or in-house uh, team members for whether head of social media or joining their marketing teams. So we're seeing a huge, huge push of brands, you know, tapping into influencers as authority in terms of their brand strategy. So I, I guess step two is is really to take the time to understand the industry trends particular to your brand and just be aware of it. Because again, it's it, it won't work if you kind of take a cookie cutter approach. It has to be really thoughtful to the particular product or the industry that you're in. Um, and being aware of what um, you know is is happening around you is super important. The third is a curation checklist. So mm-hmm. defining what it is that we look for um, in influencer partners and how we kind of curate the right collaborators for a campaign. Fourth is the creative brief. So we as an agency work on behalf of the brand. So important to understand like the key messages and the aesthetic that they're looking for. Fifth is the relationship roadmaps. So we're defining how we can kind of bring influencers along 
the relationship journey and and bring build them into ambassadors and not just sort of these one-off, um, one-and-done campaigns. And then the six is creative concepts. So taking the time to brainstorm thoughtful um, campaign ideas and, and creative concepts so that you kind of break through the social noise and it's not repetitive like every other um, you know brand out there. Okay. So in influencer marketing, you've got this curation checklist. So what does that mean? And how do you look at content curators differently than an influencer? So the the curation checklist, I think, is probably the most important step along the way because you can have a beautiful approach and strategy and, and creative campaigns, but if you align with the wrong partners, um, everything can go awry. So what is included in that checklist is not only defining the different types of influencers, because exactly like you said, there's kind of three main ways that we're defining influencers nowadays. First being type. So there's three main types that we identify. A digital influencer um, who is a natural content creator, their full-time job is managing their social channels. And you know the way that we approach a partner uh, who's the content creator is very different from the second bucket, which we define as a tastemaker. So someone who's amassed a social following as a result of their passions, whether it's like an entrepreneur or an activist or an athlete or uh, whatever it might be. And then the third is the expert uh, type. And we've seen a huge wave of doctors, nutritionists, makeup artists, stylists in the fashion space that have amassed huge followings as well. So it's really important to kind of define the type of influencer upfront um, that makes most sense for your strategy um, and really think of the right approach because you, the way you would approach a content creator is very different than a tastemaker and very different than an expert. And I think this is why follower count, it matters, but it doesn't matter because if you are totally. an expert or a tastemaker and you have a really engaged audience of 10,000 people who come to you and value everything you say, that is more valuable than the person with a million followers. But I feel like in a successful campaign, you kind of need a little bit of everyone. Like you need the traditional influencers with a big audience because that's a lot of awareness and kind of like their seal of approval where an expert might drive credibility and then a tastemaker makes it cool and the content creator gives you social content. So everyone has kind of like a different purpose and then all combined, I feel like that's what really makes a successful campaign. Oh, Mariana, you're like reading straight out of my strategy. I love it. <laughs> I'll exactly. come work for you next, my next job. No, no, but it's it's so refreshing because that's exactly how we define it. And I think so many people are quick to say, oh, like, you know, tastemakers all the way or nano influencers are like the the type of influencer to align with or macro influencers only. And you're totally right. Every type of influencer kind of ladders up to this greater halo effect I spoke about earlier. And it's so important to think and define those different types and be really thoughtful in the approach because exactly like you said, you know, a content creator can be hugely beneficial to a brand and producing great assets and and really being a creative voice to direct your social strategy and a tastemaker exactly that. Maybe they're hosting an event or an experience that can really bring the right movers and shakers to to get to know your brand. And a macro influencer can really drive that brand awareness um, across the board and influence other influencers. So there's pros and co- there's pros to all different types. And influence other influencers is the best way that I could describe it because I get so much gifting sent to me in the mail. But if I see a fellow large influencer have already shared that product or unboxed it, when I get it, it 
brings my attention to it to also either share it or talk about it or try it because I saw a peer did that. Or if you are a smaller influencer, this is a really good tip. If you see another influencer using a a product and you see that it's sponsored, share that product too when it gets to you in the mail because that brand is spending money on sponsored content and they will likely see your content too. And this will get you on their radar. So engage with people's sponsored posts. I always say this all the time because as an agency or as a brand, you're looking once that sponsored post goes up and you're seeing who commented, who liked, like what are they saying? And if you see other you know, influencers or verified people commenting and engaging, you're like, oh, these people love this brand too. Let me either gift them or see if there's a sponsored content opportunity. And so the influencing other influencers, I feel like that's something I'm really good at too. I feel like my all my oh, friends are always like, I always buy what you <laughs> totally. buy. And then it's like yeah. this trickle effect of like other influencers then sharing the product because of their peers. That's exactly right. And that's that's also why, you know, we build out sort of the long-term strategy because it takes time and that momentum builds. And when you hit that crescendo, when you have engaged enough influencers, you've built that sort of brand awareness and you have other influencers that are reaching out to us to, to participate, to get involved. That's where, you know, the momentum really starts to build and that doesn't happen overnight. That really takes time to, to nurture and be thoughtful in, in the curation, but you're totally right. Okay. I don't know if you guys are planning a trip anytime soon or you're just trying to gather information to decide where to go. And I know you guys are always asking on Instagram, where do I go? Where do I travel? Where do I eat? And I love to share it. Like genuinely what I want to do in life is share my recommendations because I love finding my favorite places around the world and sharing them with you. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, some of my friends and some influencers I follow share this app. It's called Scorch. I always want to know the best restaurants when I go to in certain cities or bars or cafes and not just when I travel, but also in LA. So when I heard about Scorch, I was like, okay, I have to check it out. And it's so good. And one of the things that I really love about the app is it's all curated. So basically only features Scorch worthy spots. So in other words, it's the best spots. It seriously makes it so easy for you to keep up with all the amazing or trendy places to eat. Or if you want to grab a coffee or a drink, it's like a heat map. So the warmer the color, the more popular the place is with Scorch and users. I also love that the app is social. So you can share your favorite Scorchworthy spots. You can post about it on your profile in real time and follow friends and influencers to see where they go. I love the map feature in the app. So even if I'm in my own city, sometimes I want to explore something in a different area of town. So let's say I'm in Santa Monica. I can zoom into the map and see what are the Scorchworthy spots that I need to try next so I can try a new restaurant. Scorch is such a fun app and it's free. So download Scorch in the app store. That's S-K-O-R-C-H. Also, Scorch is doing some great giveaways on Instagram. So after you download, check them out at Get Scorch so you don't miss the giveaways. That's Get G-E-T Scorch S-K-O-R-C-H. And the links are in the show notes. So the next step is the creative brief. And this is, I feel like it's really important. It's also a really difficult step because if you are on the brand side and you're listening, you want to give a creative brief that gets across the point that you're trying to make or what your goal is of the campaign. But then on the influencer side, you want to receive something that still gives you creative freedom that you think will work best with your audience. It's such a marrying of two different people trying to get to the same common goal. But I feel like sometimes it doesn't always align because the brand sometimes has such strict guidelines that it kind of like suffocates the the influencer's creativity. And so how do you come up with a creative brief that makes the brand happy, but also makes the influencer, you know, best suited to do their job? 
So I think a couple of things. First of all, because we're acting as an extension of our clients' teams, it's so important upfront that we really dig into a pretty thorough audit where we want to hear the founder's story and their, you know, their press pitches and their greater marketing strategy and be fully aware of all the brand pillars because um it's it's really our job to ensure that those core messages and that brand aesthetic and the brand voice is translated in our influencer relationships. So as a, a consultant, that's sort of step one, really be thorough in understanding it. But you're totally right. The creative briefing process, the way that I think about it is it's our job as marketers to do our to curate the right partners that really represent the ethos and the values of the brand. And if that's done right, then we provide, you know, base level guidelines, but we all know now that the campaigns that actually resonate, that um, drive strong engagement or great conversions are those that are super authentic, that come directly from the influencer and their life's experiences so that, you know, you're the best at connecting with your community. Nobody knows better. So it's really silly to force, um, you know, a, a, a script or something that isn't authentic to what, you know, you would say. Um, so we really think of it as a collaborative process. We definitely have guidelines of, you know, we'd really love these elements to be um, brought out and, and mentioned in the campaign or whatever it might be. Um, but we really leave it to the influencer to provide us with direction and have found that those lead to the most fruitful partnerships because it's so amazing to see a genuine testimony of one's personal life and experience with the product rather than them reading something that we've scripted. So I know it's so hard. And then I know like per brand, it really varies because some, I work with like a lot of wellness brands too. And like, those are very specific. So like what you can and can't say is legal. So it's not just that it's like brand guidelines. It's like, okay, we have to say these things within this way because this is what we have to do. And so it's being flexible where you can and then sticking to guidelines when necessary. So it's like we as influencers have to be understanding too. But I will like tell a brand if I get a guideline, I'm like, I know this is your concept, but I think this might do better. And then sometimes like, okay, great. And then sometimes like, no, this is our campaign. We're really sticking to it. So I also like to go back and forth with like my manager or my team if I really feel strongly that like something won't do well. But I understand if a brand wants to do something a certain way, especially if they're either boosting the content because it's like, okay, if it's if your goal is to whitelist this content and you want to push it as a digital ad, I understand that that is different than traditional influencer sponsored content that's only living on my platform. And so I feel like kind of even my own content varies based on where it might end up. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think that's absolutely right. And, and I would even say that even with whitelisting, even if the brands are leveraging that content, it's such a overused word authenticity, but really I can't stress it enough. We have so many brands that, that come to me and and they're really interested in collaborating and they're all frustrated and they say influencer marketing doesn't work. And we've tried all these different platforms or different agencies. And I think the key to it is just genuine human relationships and connections and really understanding, you know, are you traveling? Have you had a big life change? Are you experiencing any health changes? Like really getting to know your partners and and crafting a campaign specific to their life. That's what resonates and that's what really moves the needle. Um, so even, you know, I totally understand from a brand's perspective, wanting to have a unified campaign, but we really take a one-to-one approach with all of our partners that we engage, both, you know, gifted or in a paid capacity. 
um, ensuring that they have a voice because really it doesn't work otherwise. So, okay, let's get to relationships because I think this is really important for the brand and also for the influencer. And a lot of times at the beginning, brands don't have a lot of budget to spend on influencer marketing. And so it's really about gifting and building that relationship over time. So if you are a new brand and you don't have budget to pay people yet, it doesn't mean you won't forever. How do you start a relationship with an influencer? So I always actually tell founders that I speak with at really early stage seed funded companies that there's so much that can be done in-house and organically. So I, I think, you know, I always recommend starting with a why. So what makes your your brand different? And go beyond the product. Why did you start your brand? And what really, you know, differentiates you from the rest? And what is your founder's story? And anything that can really inspire a partner is sort of the the first step. And I think that brands or influencers, and I think that brands can really manage that outreach um, and get the the ball rolling with influence relationships in-house to start by just extending personal and heartfelt and genuine emails or DMs to to partners and offering to send through, you know, product and whatnot, where we really come in and where we can help accelerate it is when a brand has establish their marketing strategy. They have a strong social strategy. They have a performance marketing strategy um, and all these wheels are moving. And then influencer marketing can really just, uh, it's sort of the cherry on top that accelerates it all and really drive incredible impact. But if you jump the gun and, and we develop our strategy before that foundation has been in place, then there's no um, canopy to catch all of the great customers that these influencers are going to be sending your way. So I always recommend to um, founders, take your time, build that strong foundation from a marketing uh, perspective. And you know this with Summer Fridays. I mean, there's so much that goes into that foundational base. It doesn't happen overnight. It really takes time to build up. Um, And you can send personal and thoughtful emails to get the ball rolling. But really recommend not activating the full like power of of our strategies, for example, until you have all of those pieces in place. Yes. Because if you're a brand and you want to do influencer marketing, but you don't have, let's say, enough inventory, maybe it's not the time because what you don't want to do is sell out and then people are sharing and posting your brand and product and there's no uh, exactly. nowhere for them, nothing for them to buy, which is not what you want to do. So you do need to be fully prepared if you are going into this. And then I think along with that like relationship is gifting without the expectation of something of they're going to, it's like a guaranteed post. And so I think because influencers get so much gifting, you can't expect anything for sure unless you partner with somebody and pay them. But you hope that you set aside X amount of gifting allocation from however many units you produce and hope that these people want to share and you can build a relationship with them. And I think influencers feel better too, and they'll accept the gifting if they don't feel like there's any strings attached and you can just share it genuinely. Definitely. And if you are on the influencer side, how can you keep a relationship with either an agency or someone who works at a brand in-house to maybe stay top of mind for them? So when a campaign does come up, they think of you to work with. Yeah. I mean, such a great question. I think, I think across the board, a relationship is a two-way street, right? So we are always looking for partners that are really collaborative and wonderful to work with and and vice versa we're taking a risk in in sending out product and and certainly agree with you if you don't like the products there should be no expectation for posting um but if you do it's really lovely to you know 
share the love and kind of initiate that relationship. And also I think, you know, as a great way to kind of build upon that relationship is really coming prepared with your value. I think it's pretty rare actually that we get pitches from influencers or agents that are really creative and thoughtful, whether it is really analyzing the clients that we're working with and understanding new product launches they're coming out with or uh, a campaign that they've just launched and following up and sending a really creative, thoughtful campaign idea or checking in and sharing sort of interesting changes in backend uh, engagement stats and showing, you know, how strong of a community you've built in terms of Instagram story views or, or sticker tabs or swipe ups. You know, there's so many different ways that you can kind of stand out from the rest. But I think it's that two-way relationship and being thoughtful and understanding what the marketer is also looking for and kind of, you know, being collaborative in terms of ideas and um, suggestions as well. And if you are a brand working on an influencer marketing campaign and you have budget, how do you go about reaching out to influencers to work with them on a potential sponsored campaign? We start off by understanding, um, usually we manage monthly um, budgets for our clients. So we understand, okay, what is the budget? What's the overall objective? What product are we promoting? Is there a particular campaign message that we're pushing to align with their marketing calendars? And from there, now that we kind of have that understanding, we curate partners. So if we're looking to lock, say, three or four, we'll curate maybe 10 to 15 that we think would be great for various reasons to align with our campaign goals. And we initiate that conversation. We're kind of proposing the idea specific to the influencers. So we uh, might see that you're traveling upcoming. And so we'll say, hey, we know you're planning this trip to Europe. We think this would be a really great fit. Here's a little bit more about the brand. Here's the scope and what we have in mind as a way to bring this to life. And you know, here are the usage rights that we'd like to negotiate in. Let us know if A, this is of interest, if you like the product, if this rings a bell, and if you'd be interested in aligning. Um, and then we find out sort of what the rates look like. And then we go back and forth in negotiations until we can lock in contracts. So um, it starts with the initial questions for the client, but um, that's sort of the the process all the way through. Amazing. Okay. So now that you've gone through like the gifting, the campaign, you've done the sponsored content with someone, what happens after the posts are up? How do you report it back to your clients or like what kind of information are you getting? So um, from a paid perspective, if we're managing a paid campaign, we ask for all the backend analytics of the posts that the influencers shared. So we're looking at um, average story views, sticker taps, swipe ups, depending on the um, platform. If it's YouTube, we look at different metrics. Um, but we pull all of that data and then we uh, compare it to our initial targets for the campaign. And we put together a recap deck for the client that they can share with their executive team that dives into sort of the approach and shares all the content and then um, the overarching results. And from a gifted perspective, I mean, obviously we're not going to ask for all of those um, metrics and analytics from someone that we've gifted product. But we do measure and track every story, every Instagram post. Um, we look at uh, average impressions, the engagement rate, and sort of industry standard metrics. But we're also looking at qualitative data. So we put together these monthly recaps where 
We're looking at the quality of comments left on influencers' posts or um, any sort of feedback about the product, good, bad, or ugly, we receive from the influencers. All of that qualitative data is super valuable to our clients as well. So we pull that together. Um, and finally, we find that exactly as we mentioned earlier, this is not a performance marketing tactic. It's very hard to measure one-to-one based on a promo code or a track link, the performance of a campaign. So we like to partner in with a brand's performance marketing team and ask them, have you seen improvements in your Instagram advertisements this month or in your SEO spend? Or are you seeing spikes in web traffic or any social growth? And we can kind of start to piece together some um, trends based on that data. And it's pretty exciting to see how both organic and paid influencer campaigns can really impact um, the greater performance strategy. So I think it's important to think of it holistically. It's not a one-to-one sort of tracking metric, but um, there's a lot that can really demonstrate whether a campaign was successful or not. Amazing. Well, I feel like this is so helpful because I feel like now being on the influencer side and then also on the brand side with the, as a brand who, you know, works with influencers, organic or in sponsored content, I learned so much too. So if brands are looking to either work with you for your services, where can they find Dialogue? Our website is dialogueNYC.com and um, you can find us on Instagram as well, DialogueNYC. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mariana. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.